0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello Church. Well done for last week. We had 77 people meeting in four locations. Wonderful. I'm trusting that this week we will grow that number significantly. And as I've said before, if we need to rent more venues, we will do so. But praise the Lord and well done. And for those who are watching online, praise the Lord. There were 60 people online, 35 at any one time, and it was a great service. So well done to everybody. Today I want to talk about the role of the father. You know, there are some relationships that are unique. They can't be duplicated. This is not to minimize the other relationships. When I speak about fathers and how beautiful and important that role and that relationship is, I'm not saying that mothers are unimportant or that husbands and wives are unimportant or all the different relationships. I'm not minimizing them. We can elevate and celebrate fathers without pushing others down. And if you are a father, if you have a father, or perhaps you've lost a father or you were a father, I want to say to you that this will help you because the overarching model for fathers is God our Father. And so this will help you today. You know, fathers are interesting things. Somebody said that a father is someone who is only vaguely aware of what is going on in the house, but extremely aware of what it costs. And I want to look today at what makes a father a father from God's point of view and from the Bible's point of view. Because as I've said, God is our father. God is our father. He describes himself and shows himself to us as a father. And so it's important for us to understand this. This will bless you as fathers and as children, but it will also bless you as a child of God, because many of us look at God through the wrong lens. We look through a lens of an earthly father or an earthly image that is not correct, and today I want to help you to see God, and I believe it will help us to be closer to Him. At the end of the Old Testament in Malachi, it says that when Jesus comes, the forerunner will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, and the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and that was part of what Jesus was doing. He was turning us back to God our Father, but In human relationships, our father-child relationships are so, so important. And so I'm believing, I'm firmly standing on God's word that says he will reconcile and bring children and fathers closer to each other. This is not a guilt message, dad. I'm not trying to guilt you. Uh, I'm trying to help you. I am a dad and I know that I fail all the time, but I believe this will help and encourage all of us. So what is a dad? A dad is not just a hairy, cuddly, loud, funny, sometimes scary, sometimes beautiful person in our home who makes weird noises and who seems to pay for everything. That's not just what a dad is. My first point is that a dad is a relational person. I want to say that if you are a father, you have had to be a relational genius Not just a muscle man, not just a provider who can get money for your family, uh, not just a protector, whatever the other roles you may think of as a dad. And those are valid and helpful and important. But I want to say the first and most important, by far, the biggest function and role of a father is someone who is relational. And I want to say that if you are a father, if you have children, you are already a relational genius. Why? Number one, because you somehow got a woman to love you enough to sleep with her so that you could have children. I mean, that is an astounding feat. Well done. Secondly, if you are a father, it means you have children who relate to you. And it is tricky relating to children, they are fickle, they are hard to understand. They are sometimes manipulative. Sometimes they are just the most beautiful and adorable things. But that relationship between a dad and a child is a relational puzzle. But let's talk first of all about women. For you to be a father, you must have had some form of relationship with a woman. And man, that is an extraordinary achievement. Because women are difficult to understand women are difficult to get close to oh you know just their language uh, I don't know if you've realized this but if you are to become a father you have to learn to translate women speak it's it's amazing when she says wow she doesn't always mean she's impressed with what you're doing just a little hint here. Maybe some of you are wanting to be fathers and you're wanting to understand how women speak. When she says, wow, sometimes she's not impressed with what you're doing. Just a little hint there for you. When she says, don't worry, I'll do it. It doesn't mean she's happy to do it. She will do it, but it would have been better for you if you had done it. When she says, nothing's wrong, just a little word to the wise, there is something wrong. When she says, How do I look? she is not asking you to tell her how she looks. I'm just giving that to you to help you become a relational genius. And in your relationships with your children, there is this subtle interplay between loving, protecting, guiding, but also having sometimes to discipline and at other times to know when not to discipline and when to encourage. Now, Jesus is our best example. He was a son, first of all, of Joseph. And we know that there was a good relationship there. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a carpenter or a, a construction worker. That word could be translated carpenter or house builder it it's both both are the same thing but he was that and his father joseph was that he worked with his dad he learned from his dad he had a relationship with joseph at the age of 12 jesus was taken to jerusalem by his parents now it's interesting because a young jewish boy at the age of 12 or 13 has a bar mitzvah, which means he becomes a son of the law, where the rabbis interview him and check that he knows enough about the Bible. And at the age of 12, Jesus is in Jerusalem. His parents then go back to their hometown. And only a day later, they realize Jesus, the young 12-year-old is not with them. And they go back and they find him in the temple with the rabbis uh, discussing the law. And the Pharisees and all the teachers of the law were amazed at how much he knew and how mature he was. And his mom and dad said to him, Jesus, why did you do this to us? And he said, you should have known that I would be about my father's business right from the age of 12 and perhaps earlier. He knew that Joseph was his earthly dad, but God was his real father. Isn't that amazing? And he had this relationship, but then he went back with them and he submitted to them. He obeyed and did whatever they asked him to do. So Jesus knew that God was his father. He had this bar mitzvah, if you like, at the age of 12, even though it was an unofficial one. But then we don't hear about Joseph anymore after after that, which means that joseph jesus's earthly adopted father even though joseph was close to jesus and and there was a good relationship joseph very probably died and so jesus knew what it was like to be orphaned at a young age joseph was probably quite a lot older than mary and jesus knew what it was to grow up without for certain part of his life without an earthly dad And I want to say to you, if you are without an earthly dad or perhaps you're a wife without a husband and you're trying to bring up your kids, God can fill in the gap. He calls himself the God of the widows and the orphans. He knows what it is to come in and help you and support you. And Jesus learned what it was to have God the father as his father. And he called him Abba which was an astounding thing. It's similar to our word daddy or papa, but it was never used by Jewish people to refer to God. And yet Jesus called God the Father Abba, which shows this intimacy and this love. Let me read you a couple of verses. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 36, towards the end of his life, Jesus is praying and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus loved God and was close to him. He called him Abba. Interestingly, us as believers are also supposed to call God Abba. Did you know that? Romans 8 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Do you know God as your Abba, your Papa, your Daddy? Galatians 4, verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Isn't that beautiful? So when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, it says in Matthew 3, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, In whom I am well pleased. God spoke his affirmation. And so Jesus knew what it was to have Joseph as a father, but to have God as a father. He drew strength. He drew comfort. God was his close, close relationship as a father. Now I want to talk about uh, some mistakes that we make as fathers, but especially as children. You know, sometimes as children with God, our father and with our earthly father, we forget that fatherhood is a relational role and we emphasize parts of the role that are real, but we make them the main thing. So sometimes we think it's a transactional relationship. We think that if I do X, Y and Z, I will get my just rewards from my father. If I obey the rules, just as he says, then I will get his love. If I um, do the right things, I will inherit his money or whatever it is. We think it's a transactional relationship. And that could be one of the reasons why you are struggling. If you are struggling with your father relationship, I'm going to mention a couple of others, but a transactional error. You know, there is a place for us to obey our dad, but it's not to earn something from him. A real father gives by grace, which means an undeserved gift. He gives because he is generous, not because you've deserved it. A real good dad will lay down the rules, and there may be consequences for breaking those rules, which differ from when you're a tiny child to when you're a teenager or an adult. A dad will have consequences to breaking of rules, but he will never withhold his love. He will never withhold his affection, his affirmation. He He will never treat you as a person as less than. He will just say, there are consequences, my child, because in this world we live in, there are consequences for sin. And he's trying to train us to learn about consequences so that we don't fall flat on our face when we have our first job or when we get out there into the real world. So transactional is one of the errors that people make. Another one we sometimes think about is of our dad as an authority figure who wants to push us down and punish us all the time. We sometimes think he's looking for an excuse to punish us. And he wants to hold us back and restrict us and limit us and judge us. An authority figure. And dads are authority figures. But the important thing to realize is that they are representing God's authority. And it's an authority. Whenever God institutes authority in the Bible, it's always to cause blessing, to cause growth, to cause flourishing, never to limit and hold back. There are times when my earthly dad told me I couldn't do things. And at the time, I thought he was being unfair and he was wrong. But I later saw that he was being right. And what I've learned, and I want to just give you this little key today, is that if we will look beyond the earthly dad to the heavenly dad, and we realize that he and I are both going to give an account to the same father in heaven one day, suddenly it all makes sense. I can honor and respect and obey him, even if I think his rules are wrong, because I know there is a bigger dad, a bigger judge, a bigger authority above him who will put things right. And God works in such a way that when I submit to and honor authority, he finds a way to bless me, even if that authority is not acting correctly. And so I look beyond the authority figure, but seeing him just as a judge or an authority figure is one of the mistakes that we make. Um, Another one is we fear or we despise um, or we, we judge our dads. You know, there are several times in the Bible where it says, judge not or you will be judged for with the same measure that you judge, you will be judged. There is this weird thing where we are supposed to forgive and give grace and say, I don't know all the facts behind it, but I release and trust you. I don't judge you. I don't despise you. I don't put you down or I don't fear you. But, but it's mainly about judging. Uh, we are supposed to release the person. But when we judge them, this un- amazing thing happens where sometimes a child starts to repeat the mistakes that their parent made because they judge them. They say he or she was an alcoholic. I hate them for it. They were so weak. And later on, they find they become alcoholics. They say he or she abused me as a child. And later they find themselves doing the same to others because we are bound by our judgment. And the, the answer is to release them, to say, I'm not gonna judge them. I'm gonna leave it to God in heaven to judge them. I'm gonna honor them. I'm gonna trust God to work all things for good. If I have to get out of that situation uh, for my own good and my own protection, then I'll do that. But I won't judge them. Ephesians 6 verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. There is this place for us to honor. That means respect, not because they have earned it or because they have done something we like, but just because of the position. There is a place for honoring a position, just as we're supposed to honor government ministers, other leaders. It's not being silly to say, I just honor them blindly. No, no. We know they make mistakes. We can admit their mistakes. We can even talk to them about their mistakes. But there is a level of honor for the role. And when I do that, I'm seeing God as the ultimate authority and blessing flows down. And I just want to. Show you the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, which pulls this all together and will help us so much. So, Jesus has just told a story about a lost sheep and a lost coin, and about the people who found those lost things and how happy they were. And then he told a story about a lost son in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. He said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Two sons, the one son asks for his money. He just sees his dad as a transactional, as a source of money. There's no relationship there. He sees his dad as the, as the ATM. And he says, give me my money. And the dad divides the livelihood between the two sons. Both the sons inherit half of the estate, which is amazing. Really amazing. This dad is just generous, not because the son earns it. And I want to say to you that our God in heaven is the same. He gave us everything before we had done anything to deserve it. And in fact, there's nothing we can do to deserve it. He gives, even though he knows we will sin, we know he knows we have sinned, but he is generous. He gave Jesus who died and bled on the cross to give you life before you deserved it. See God, your father, as the generous one. Amen. And Not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He didn't live well. Did the father withdraw his love? No. But the father remained where he was. He didn't go and um, fix the problem for the son. He allowed the son to learn some lessons there is a place for a dad to allow consequences to happen to teach a child a lesson it's important actually because if we always fix our children's problems they will never learn the lesson and one day we won't be there and they will fall on their faces so when he had spent all there there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want sometimes bad things are a good thing Sometimes consequences of bad actions can be the thing that leads your child to you and to God. And so it's not always right to fix their problems. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He wanted to change from seeing his dad as an ATM to being in a transactional relationship. He said, Dad, if I work for you, will you pay me, please? He wanted to move to another level of understanding of his father. He arose. He came to his father. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Friend, I want to say to you that God, your father, just like a person who loses one sheep out of a hundred or a lady who loses one coin out of ten. God is looking for his child, you and me who has strayed from Him. And the minute we turn back to Him, the minute the Bible says we come to our senses and realize, I should have been close to God. The minute we make just a small step towards Him, He rushes towards us. And right now, there is somebody listening to my voice who your heart is turning back to God. And I want to say to you, He loves you. He is going to welcome you with open arms. He doesn't list all your errors and your sins. He doesn't hit you and make you pay for all the mistakes you made. He, as soon as you turn back to him, he welcomes you back. He ran and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he could finish his sentence, do you remember the next thing he was planning to say was, Make me your servant. Can I have a contract of employment? I want to have a transactional relationship with you because I know that I have failed you. Before he could say that, the father said, Bring the best robe, put, him, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, listen to this This sentence from the son who was still relating to his father in a transactional manner. He said, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. Meanwhile, his dad had inherited, had split the inheritance and given him everything already. But As soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. Son, I don't see you as a servant. I don't see this as a transaction. You are my son. You are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It's already yours. Everything God has is already yours. I could show you many verses that say, all things are yours. God has given you all things. He's blessed us with every blessing. It was right that we should make merry and, and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And the story ends without us knowing if that other son who thought he was a son, but a servant's son, if he ever came into the party. And the party is a picture of God's family, of church, of relationship, but also of heaven. Friend, I want to challenge you. Do you see God as your father or do you see him as a transaction? Are you trying to earn his blessing? Uh, Do you see him as a harsh judge? God, the father is like the father in this prodigal story. Fatherhood is relational. It's all about relationship, love, generosity, giving and guiding. And I want to pray right now, Lord God, for the fathers and the children, that you would turn them back to each other today, that there would be repentance and reconciliation, that someone would make the first move and go and say, I'm sorry. But Lord, more than that, I pray for the people who are turning back to you, to God the Father. And friend, I want to say to you, as you turn to him, as you call on his name, he is running, running to meet you today. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.